0: thank you for for sharing um, I'm going to share what I shared in the first service just briefly. Um, you know, I had a lot of thoughts in the first service while they were sharing, and some of the different ladies were, were sharing and we had different ladies share in the second service, which was great because I got to hear all of them, and you didn't ha 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 anyway um, so' they're, they're just as good all of them were great um, but I, had, I was just thinking and. You know, we get, it's been a couple of years since the ladies' home has come to us. The guys came a year and a half ago or something like that. Um, but it's very easy for, for us to sit there, and I can be there too. And I even had these thoughts in the first, service was kind of go through my head. I'm like, listen, I'm familiar with this. I've heard this story before. I get it. God saved you. He's helping you. You're in Teen Challenge. Let's move on. Because I know there are some of you here that are like that this morning. I'm not, I don't know who you are, but I know that there are because those thoughts cross my mind briefly. Mm-hmm. Some of you are like, well, you know, I, I, I never had a drug problem or an abuse problem or whatever the issues and struggles and sins were. Let me tell you you got a messload of sin going on right now and you might say that's so gross that's ugly that wasn't a part of me but your sin is just as gross to God as any other sin and you know what it is.
1: Yeah, amen. <sighs> amen.
0: And you refuse some of you refuse to get the help you need and maybe some of you it doesn't matter what your situation is how you feel tied cuz of family or whatever you got to get up and go and you got to you got to make that choice that I'm going to stop the cycle of whatever's going on in my life and I'll go to Challenge, even if it means I give up my family for a while and my job for a while. I know that sounds radical, but you know what? It's got to be Luke nine twenty three. Yes, I, I, that's got to be that. If you're really going to follow Jesus, you got to. If you would, that's a key word. If you really mean it, you make that choice. You're going to take up that cross. You're going to die to yourself. You're going to let the Holy Spirit, the Word of God. If I could just say it, kill your flesh, Amen. and you're going to become everything God wants you to be. Amen. It. Is it easy? No, I'm not saying it's easy. That is not the point at all. Is it necessary? Yes. Yes. Do you want to keep living the way you're living? No. So, you know, for those of you who thought, let's move on. Those of you who thought, eh, I'm just so far removed from that. I'm not that bad. I don't know anything about that and that kind of addiction, that kind of situation. I'm pretty good, but then you're struggling with all kinds of stuff. Listen, it applies to you too. And the same God of grace and love who loves these ladies and is doing these miracles, it wants to do a miracle and touch you as well. I believe that 100%. Because that's who God is. They're not here by accident. They're not here by chance. They're not here just, just because we asked them to come and share and we want to help them, support them a little bit. It's, that's not it. They're here because God wants to rescue you. And some of you here this morning, God wants to help some of you get out of the pit that you're in. And, you know, you can't do it yourself. I know I heard a lot. It's all because of God. It's all because of Jesus. But you know what else? There's something, a component that's really, really, really important to that. You need God. You need the Holy Spirit. You need other people or you will not. You're not going to make it. I'm not here being forecasting negativity and doom and gloom. I'm just saying if you're going to try to do it yourself, you're going to keep things hidden. You're going to keep going the way you are. You're not going to make it. And I, I'm not, I'm just, it's just the, the truth. You need others. You need brothers and sisters that'll keep you accountable, that'll yell at you, that'll get mad at you, that'll rejoice with you, that'll have a whole gamut of emotions and experiences together and you get lifted out of that with the work of the Holy Spirit in you because you have Christian community, even if it's one or two. You've got to break down those walls. You've got to get to that point where you die to yourself. That's what discipleship's all about. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on a tangent. But don't dismiss these things so easy. We can do that. We can run the risk of that. We can all, it is application for all of us with all of our struggles here and God wants to help us. He does. Amen. I want to actually um, ask if Pastor Mike could pray for these ladies and the home. Praise your name, Thank you, God. And we're going to pray all together as well. So, amen, Lord. Praise you, God.
2: Lord. First of all, Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord.
0: Thank you, Lord.
2: Lord, I just pray that you would just. Grow in us that attitude of gratitude, mm. Lord, when it comes to the things that you have done by your power.
0: Yes, Lord. How you
2: have lifted these girls up Thank out of the muck Jesus. in the mire, Lord. How you have stood
0: yes. them up on your feet name.
2: on your rock. Mm. Not the rock of the world, Lord. Not the rock of science. Not the rock of medicine, Lord. But the rock of the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord, Lord God. Lord the rock of Thank salvation, you, Lord. Praise your name. Your power, Thank Lord. you, power, Lord. Power, power, yes, power, God. Power, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we thank you for salvation, Lord. We thank you for deliverance, Lord. Yes, we thank, thank you, for you God. The sound of
0: praise, your, your name. Yes, <laughs> hallelujah! Praise your name, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Worthy are you, God.
2: Lord, I'm just overwhelmed when I just think of how much you love us.
0: Mm, thank you, Lord. Great. Is Lord, your I'm love.
2: overwhelmed when I just think of how many times people are just hurting, Lord, and they're in their personal pit and mm. they have blisters on their feet Yes they're freezing in yes. the streets, Lord, and they're crying out to you, Lord, and you answer their prayers. Thank you, Lord. Because Praise the Bible your says name, when Lord. they seek you, they'll find yes. you. And when they find you, you're going to point yes. to your son, Jesus Thank Christ.
0: Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, God. Praise your name.
2: Because you love us. Yes, God. So, Lord, I just ask that you would keep your hands upon these women, Lord. Lord, that they would not only themselves be healed, Lord, that the dominoes would fall, Lord. We pray for salvation yes. for their families, Lord. Yes. We pray yes. for salvation yes. for yes. their yes. children, Lord. We
0: Thank pray you, for reconciliation, Lord God. Hallelujah. Lord, Praise all those, your name. Uh,
2: Lord, relationships that have been destroyed and damaged hallelujah, because Lord. of the chains of addiction and the enemy.
0: Hallelujah, Lord. Praise your name. Thank you, God.
2: and Lord, we pray that you use them in a mighty way, like you are today, Lord, to speak to others who are yes, struggling Lord. in their own sin, yes, Lord, in their own addiction. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, we just lift this up, and we pray this as the body of yes, Christ, Lord. Hallelujah, and God. In Jesus Christ. And we Thank all you, said, Jesus. Amen, Lord.
0: Amen, Amen Lord. Amen. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Before we uh, transition to to the uh, the message, if there even will be one, who knows? Um, I, I, just, I just have this feeling, I, I, this is not typical, but um, you know, I feel like maybe there's one of you ladies in the Teen Challenge program that are here this morning, and you have something you need to tell us as a church that someone needs to hear. I'll give you a second. I don't know why I feel that. I think it's the Holy Spirit but I'm going to wait a second because if there's something and you got you have a word for us or you, you've you just got to challenge us or whatever, I'm going to wait because I think that there's someone, one of you ladies got to share something. And um, so I'll wait just for a second. If not, I'm good.
1: You shared on Ecclesiastes
0: earlier. Here. No, no, you got to get it. You can't hear in the back.
1: Um, we had shared Ecclesiastes earlier, and I just want y'all to know that like uh, I had a, I had acquired everything, I acquired everything, and uh, like I had a three-bedroom home, I had two cars, I had my children, I worked so hard, I got a career, like I worked really hard, I I made 75k a year, and I was proud of that, I was very very proud of that, and I was doing it all in my own strength, and it all fell. And not only did I lose it all, but I gave it all away to my drug dealer. Like everything in my house, everything around my house. I walked right out of my house, and I left everything behind. I had clothes on my back, and I'm not telling you that like to feel bad or anything like that, because I don't feel bad. But to go with his message of like Ecclesiastes, like everything under the sun, you're, like you're only just chasing wind. Like it's not about what you have, what you um. Want it's not about any of that. It's always about like the next person and loving the next person through Jesus, mm. loving on your family and showing them the light of God and the good news and bringing that right to everyone
0: that's hurting. And like your mission field is your family. Yeah. Amen. 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 Praise Lord. God. Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Thank you for sharing that and just reminding us and challenging us. And uh, as she had mentioned in the first service and, and our message today is in the book of Ecclesiastes and probably do more extemporaneous than anything else this morning because of our time and just the thoughts. I have a lot going on in my head and, and just encouraged and challenged by some of the stuff that's going on all day. But in Ecclesiastes in the Old Testament, um, you know, it's, it's, some of us are very familiar, some of us are not. Um, but as a, as a starting point, it's this short little book of 12 chapters in the Old Testament and is written by Solomon. Um, most of us know King David, the one who had the sling and he put down the giant and he was taken out, right? Amen. And, uh, what a great, great, uh, victory that was and God used him, but it was written by Solomon, his son. Um, and Solomon, um, built the temple cause David couldn't, there's a lot of history there. And, um, the Bible declared him to be the wisest man that lived. See, he's a wise guy, Right. And if someone's wise and they're talking, it probably would be wise and smart to, to listen and to hear what they have to say, um, especially in the Bible. And um, so in the first seven chapters of Ecclesiastes, what, what Solomon does is, is he writes about, if I could call it, like he goes on, this, he has this experiment that he, that he does. And the experiment has to do with trying every way and anything to try to find fulfillment, satisfaction, and purpose in life. That if you read the first seven chapters, actually the whole thing, but really the first seven chapters outlines a lot of that. Then he moves more later on into more after he discovers certain things, he writes more proverbially and like wisdom quotes and how to live our life and, and, then, and, and, and little there's more wisdom involved there. There's wisdom scattered throughout, but he writes about his findings and what he experienced and he makes statements that are, I can relate to. And you could probably relate to as well. And he describes all the worldly things that are under the sun. And that term, under the sun, just basically means, I think it's like 32 times in 12 chapters, it's that everything in this material world, under the sun, all this stuff... All this stuff, he checked it out, whether it's relationships, whether it's, uh, you know, wealth, whether it's money, whether it's things, whatever it was, he tried all that out to try to find fulfillment. He invested time, energy, money, and strength. And there was a conclusion that he came with, and actually he starts off by writing about it. He, in the first chapter, in the first few verses, he says that he finds out, he says, everything is meaningless. It's a great way to start something you want to read. Then it makes you want to read more, doesn't it? Duh, what am I reading for? It's all meaningless. What's the point, right? But everything is meaningless. He starts off that way. You know what he's talking about? It's because he's writing in in reflection, he's writing on his observation that all this stuff under the sun without God's involvement and without his, his interjection and injection, his involvement and intervention in it is meaningless in the long run. It has no eternal value. And my question is, after he writes this and tells us that that everything is meaningless my question is this and we automatically go to like wealth and stuff and all that no he covers a lot of stuff I'll mention that in a minute he covers all kinds of stuff if everything is meaningless can I can I ask you why is it that we spend and exert so much time energy money and resources on things that are meaningless? Some of us do. Sometimes I do. If you evaluate your day, if you evaluate your life, and we spend so much time on stuff that is in the end, doesn't last. And you know what? Um, He found out that that all this meaninglessness was all around him, and it was a temporary diversion that, again, without God, had no purpose or longevity. Just didn't last. You know, I don't know about you, but again, (laughs) again, Now, not even just, but the past 10 years, maybe five years really in my life, I don't know, but especially like now and recently, how many of you feel really frustrated? Like, I, maybe that's a word that is, is, is for me, it's the, the frustration. No, I'm, don't trust me, I'm not like going off the deep end, I'm not doing whatever, I'm not getting, I'm not going to have like, you know, this, 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 this huge thing of rage, I'm going to go out and get nuts and whatever, because I'm so frustrated, but I'm frustrated, like, like the world, you look around the things that are going on and you're like, you're just frustrated. You're like, what is this? You're almost depressed. Like, I, I could put it that way. It's just, it's heavy and it's frustrating and, and not even just the world and from leaders to politics to, to, to the poverty to, our own country to our history to to the the church in general around us when you look around and the church of christ and how it's misrepresented and it's frustrating how scripture is taken and made it to me whatever you want it to and it's frustrating to to make your own scripture and you see that around and just frustration 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 in the home and frustration in relationships and frustration with money and frustration with you get the idea frustration this this gets positive, believe me. It's just this. I, I mean, is it me? I don't know. I just I just feel it's it's frustrating, and you feel like that should that certain things should be so easy to get through and make headway, whether it's socially, like societally, or culturally, or globally, and yet it's like you hit walls, and it's frustrating because it's really, really, really the last days, and it's. There's a lot of spiritual oppression and battle and stuff going on. It's frustrating. It's heavy. It's hard. It's not hopeless, not for us as Christians, but it's frustrating. I'm sorry. I'm talking to myself. I'm the only one. It's okay. But it's frustrating, all right? And listen, this would be the word frustration. To summarize all the stuff that Solomon tried in order to find satisfaction and fulfillment. I mean, he found frustration when he went on his experiment. He found frustration in nature. He saw the frustration in nature. You can read about it in the first few chapters. And, and, in, and also in the uh, scientific discovery, he made efforts to, to, to do scientific discoveries. And he was frustrated by the things that he found out. He was frustrated by and wisdom, and learning, because the more he learned, the more he knew, the more frustrated he got. Yeah. Yes. And I don't even know a lot, and I'm frustrated. I can't even imagine him. You know, moral codes. In chapter 8 or 9, he evaluates, he looks, and trying to live morally different, and, and like, how, to, how to change his behavior, and these, more, these, these ethos, and these mores, and he tries to figure it out, and he's frustrated by it. He's frustrated by wealth, because in the end, all it does is frustrate the heck out of him. He's frustrated with food and alcohol. It doesn't satisfy him. Politics, relationships, philosophical questions, uncertainties, getting older. He writes about that, how frustrating it is. And then the ultimate frustration that, you know what? We all die It's like, what are we doing all this for? And then we're just gone? And I spent all this time and energy and I'm gone? He's just being real and he went on this experiment to find it and he's evaluating and he's like, it's all frustrating, it's all meaningless. And in the end, Solomon offers simple, simple wisdom that is so hard to apply in our lives. And it's simply this, it's how to live our lives. Very simple way of how we ought to live our lives. You know, he writes all of that. And then the last couple of verses in chapter 12 of Ecclesiastes, this is what he says. He says, The conclusion when all has been heard is this, Fear God and keep His commandments. Because this applies to every single person. For God will bring every act to judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Man, you could be pretending you're hiding stuff. You could you can have things out in the open. It doesn't matter what way it is. It's all gonna go before God in the end, man. Yeah. So how are we supposed to live our lives, especially being frustrated? And I, me too, all of us in different ways, but we're frustrated, and, and we love God. We love Jesus. We we know we're Christians. How are we supposed to live our lives? Very simple. Fear God. I know it's not the most popular thing. I know that because in our minds, because of the, 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 the perceptions and, and the interpretation and, and the things that it conjures up in people's minds about the word fear, it's mostly negative. So when you hear someone say, fear God, that's how you live your life, it automatically becomes this negative or harsh or, or difficult or legalistic or something term that, that is a bunch of baloney because that's how we're supposed to live our lives. Fear God. Fear God! It's not something that you hear every day in the streets. And, it's, and, and you know what? It's probably because fear it's likely a response to that perceived threat that we have because of all the things around us. You know you, you're, you're afraid of people breaking into your house, you buy an alarm, and, you, and, you, and then you get another alarm, and you get a booby trap. and then you, well, I don't know, whatever you do. Sorry, you, know, you set up your house because you're afraid. And it's a negative thing, so you take these measures to, to, to quell or to at least subdue that fear for a while, right? And so it's a, it has this negative perception. And, and because it's not positive, we don't hear it very often in the church or even among Christians that, you know what? You're not living in the fear of God or you've got to start fearing God. We don't use that anymore. And I'm not telling you to run around and telling you, fear God, fear God. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm just saying we don't hear this. It's not like, it's not like on every bulletin board around here. And, and it's not something that gets all this kind of coverage in the media or in church bulletins or whatever. Because instead, you know what gets a lot of coverage? And it's all good. And it's all true. Oh, man. Love God. God is good. God is Love. Yeah, we should. We rest our faith and our head on that. That's all true. That's absolutely true, and it's good. But we're not instructed to do that. We are. That's a commandment we have by Jesus. But we're told that if we do going to live wise by Solomon, that we fear God. Because fear in it, we'll talk about, that has love connected to it. Biblically speaking, as Christians. So what does it mean? What does the Bible mean? And what does Solomon mean when he says, this is the whole duty of man. Fear God and keep his commandments. What is that all about? Is it, is it this fear? Is it a fear where, you know, in Matthew chapter 25, there's a parable about uh, Jesus gives about this man who wanted he gave money to his servants to go invest. There were three quantities. And the guy with the, the least amount, let's just say, he had a one penny. He had one penny. And he takes that one penny, and he knew that his master was expecting a return. He wanted something for what he gave him. He wanted him to work and be responsible, and so on and so forth. And because he was so afraid because his boss was going to you know, keep him accountable and, 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 and have, have him answer for his lifestyle and for what he did with that money. He went and he buried it and he hid it because he was fearful. His fear caused him to do nothing. He was petrified. I mean, is that the fear that is talking about? That we come to God and we're so petrified that we can do nothing with him, for him, or towards him? No, it's not what he's talking about. But then it's, it's, it's definitely not that. And it's the book, it's, but the fear of God or to fear God is like a bookend of wisdom. Because in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7, it says that, that the, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. wisdom or knowledge. The beginning of knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You've got to fear the Lord. It means, and fearing God means that we reverence Him. We worship Him and obey Him. In this case, so so why is this fear God thing? Why is this command? Why is it relevant today? I mean, who cares? You don't fear God. I mean, I love God. I mean, I respect God. I mean, I yeah, I think about him once in a while, and um, he saved me. I'm all good. And I mean, I just want to hear the good, positive stuff. Well, let me tell you, fearing God is very positive because when you fear God, the results are amazing. Amen. They're absolutely amazing. You know, here's, why, why, why is fear relevant? Because, first of all, the Bible tells us that people who disobey God are described as being non-fearers of God. Does that make sense? <laughs> They're non-fearers of God. In Romans chapter 3, verses 10 to 18, describes all of that, but I just took a little, a couple sections, just a couple sentences. It, it says here, there is no one righteous, not even one, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All. Not someone, all. Everyone, we've all fallen short of the glory of God. We're short and we can't measure up to a standard. And then he says, Paul says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. That's why they live the way they do. They live with a brazen attitude. They foolishly believe that they can do whatever and they're not going to really actually be called into account by this God. They don't care. They don't fear. They don't search for Him. they They don't care. And that is how people today in the church, many Christians, and we can fall in this trap, but there are many Christians, even here today, who do not live in the fear of God or with the fear of God, and they feel brazenly, they live a lifestyle, or they live a certain way, or with attitudes, or whatever, and they walk around, and they think, it's all good, God's so gracious, so forgive me. Or that, you know what, it's all good, and no one cares, no one sees it, and yeah, God might ask me about it, when I get to heaven, it's going to be so good, and it's going to be so gracious, and glorious, and and majesty-filled, that God's going to forget about it. Um, you're mistaken. Because what Solomon says here, that every single person that exists all, whether you're a Christian or not, will give an account to God. And then Hebrews chapter 9.23 says that it's appointed. The way that the that, that, that order of things is in life cycle and, and in God's economy of history is, is that every single human being lives one time. They don't reincarnate and come back again and try again like other religions teach. The Bible says it's appointed for man to live and to die once. And then what happens after that? Do you know what it says in Hebrews 9.23? They have to give an account because they go before God. He's the the ultimate judge. You will, brother and sister, and my friends and those of you who aren't my friends, but I wish you would be my friends because I want you to love Jesus like I do. And I'm not perfect, but I, I I love Jesus you will give an account to God for everything you're doing. I'm not making it up. It's, we can't pretend anymore. We gotta fear God and do what he asks us to do and live the way he wants because we will answer. So people who do not pursue God, they don't have fear of God. And this means that people who seek God have the fear of God because they love him, they know him. They, 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 it's this deep reverential awe And just admiration and worship and such a love, a connection. And you realize who you are because He loved you first. That He brings you in and allows you to go into His awesome presence. That is fearful in the sense that it is overwhelmingly majestic. That you can come to Him. And His arms are open and He says, come right to my feet. Sit on my lap. I'll put my arm around you, whatever. But you can come there and you realize that He's an awesome God. But He still is going to keep you accountable. And you fear him because you know he's the ultimate authority. He makes all the rules. He governs everything and you've got to answer to him. Fearing God is relevant today also because in the future in heaven, did you know that there's going to be a fear of God in heaven? I mean, we're supposed to practice that now for eternity. In Revelation chapter 15 and verse 3 to 4, the Bible says, there's a declaration made there in heavens by the host It says, "Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty." Actually, these are those who overcame their overcomers, and it talks there in chapter 15. It says, great, uh, "Great and marvelous are your deeds, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O king of the ages, who, who will not fear you, Lord, and bring you glory and bring glory to your name? Everyone is going to be awed and blown away and just realize the majesty, the awesomeness of God Almighty, the one true God, when they get to heaven. Every single person. And it goes on to say, For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. In an eternity future, when we see God face to face, and this fear of Him will not, it's not gonna, it's gonna continue in this humble adoration before a magnificent holy God. It's not gonna stop. It's going there's gonna be that fear, that awesome reverence that we'll have. And in the Old Testament, you know, people, there's examples of how people had this fear of God, right? And so another reason why it's irrelevant is because it's not just for the Old Testament people with these crazy miraculous experiences they had. But it's also for us today, where they would bow down, they would turn their face away, they saw the uh, glimpses of God, if I could put it that way, going by Moses and other leaders and the nation of Israel, they saw God's mighty hand and the power of God moving, and there was fear, literally in some cases, when there's a rebellion against Moses and his leadership, and the ground opens up like an earthquake, just, just tears the ground apart, and people fall in, and then God says, kind of like the Red Sea, but it was a little different, right? It was the earth... And they were no more. Bye bye. That that that. You think that wouldn't cause like real fear where you're actually petrified? Yeah, but at the same time, because they knew God, it, it reminded how awesome God is, and that He's the only God, and He could do anything. And so, we, but in the New Testament, we find the same thing. It applies to us because um, we, we're described in, in in for us also that in uh, Proverbs 14, 26, that those who fear the Lord are secure. He will be a place of refuge for their children. Fear the Lord is a life-giving fountain. It offers escape from the snares of death. You know, to know God is to respect the manufacturer's specifications, if that makes sense. And you know, if you despise it, in the end, it will cause irreparable damage. You know, life is preserved when you see faith in God, not as a restriction, but as a true enjoyment of life where you fear God and you lovingly serve him and obey him. You know, um, Jeremiah 32, going to the New Testament people again. The prophet says, they shall be my people and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way that they may, what? For what purpose? That they may fear me forever. Forever. for the good of them and their children after them and I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from doing them good but I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me Amen. man if I, I listen I don't want to get convolute things and get theological but if I take that scripture and if you don't have the fear of the Lord in your heart either you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior or for some reason you're just doing this to God really hardcore Amen really hardcore your reverence and respect for him and then you're forgetting he's watching everything you do even while you do it and you don't even care boy you got to be careful brother sister friends listen there is an eternity and we're going to have to answer for everything that we do peter describes christians in first peter chapter 1 verse 17 he says as 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 christians they should be people who live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear It's not a negative term. It's that we are constantly reminded that, well, we are who we are, and God is who He is. And then we do what He says. When Paul speaks of submission to one another out of reverence in Christ, in Ephesians 5.21, the word reverence is translated really from the Greek word that means fear. That we are so in awe that we are, out of our fear, our reverence for Christ, we submit to another. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 to 29. The writer notes that the new covenant Christ does not negate the fear of the Lord. He says that since we're receiving a, a kingdom that cannot be destroyed, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping Him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. God is holy and we're not. God is the judge. We're not. You know, one of the things that as we think about this, that we need to fear God and we obey Him, we do what He asks, is because He knows what's best for us. And from, from these verses, we see that we, we, we can see the fear of God. It's not something just that we throw away and don't worry about. But it's got to be an ap- appropriate response from us as people who love Him and want to know God more. I mentioned earlier, and we're going to finish in a minute, that a, that a fear of God means to reverence and to worship Him and to obey Him. Let me just state again, For the record, biblically, and to remind you that a biblical fear of God is not complete if you don't include obeying Him. It's it's not possible. I don't have the time to, to teach or to do a the theology and to go through, but it's not possible. And, and because this is the, the, the obedience is a practical outplay of an attitude and a heart that reverences, that fears, that adores, that worships, that sees God as Almighty and does things His way because you know your ways. Pfft. Nothing. We know what happened with Adam and Eve they lost that fear, that reverential awe for the authority of God, not only the fact that he created them, he put them in the garden and gave them everything they want and he gave them one command and they couldn't keep that command. And we know what happened. Fear came back into the picture, my friend. The other kind of fear. Not the reverential awe where love is involved and relationship is involved, but it was the they were petrified. So much so that their shame and guilt drove them out of the garden, but God is so awesome, He came running after them and He made a way to get rid of the fear that petrifies and give you a fear that puts you in awe of the awesome God who loves you and made you. And that's where we are today. That's why it's so important to understand that the greatest thing that we can learn from Solomon is to take his words to heart and to start living by it. That This is the conclusion to the whole matter. No matter how frustrating things are, no matter how you feel like you're spinning your wheels, no matter you fill in the blank, life has all this stuff. But the way that we live our life is that we fear God. We keep His commandments. Because no one is exempt from the fact that we're all going to give An account. John wrote in his epistle, First John chapter two, verse five. If but if anyone obeys his words, love for God is truly made complete in them. So the opposite is true. If you don't obey, God's love cannot be completed in you. It's not my words. It's not even implied. You read all of John's first epistle of John and you will find that over and over again. If you continue sinning, you don't actually love God. If you continue sinning, you actually don't fear God. If you don't continue sinning, you actually have a connection to not loving your own brother and sister in that epistle. And Solomon ends his writing by telling us that we will answer as I mentioned to God because this is a universal ac- application here of fearing God and obeying his commands. God expects that of all his creation, all people, so it's a universal application. We've all. He's making it to everybody. Fear God and keep His commands. His greatest command is this, that we would one day, and His desire, if you will, that we would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to gain eternal life. That's a command. There's no, it's actually a command. It's an, we say it's an invitation, but it's actually a command to come follow. It's a command to pick up your cross and die. It's a command to give your life over because that's what God wants. We always say it's an invitation. Yes, I guess. But there's a command in it. He's making a command. You've got to come follow me or you're not going to be with me. You've got to come follow me or you won't gain eternity with me. Mm -hmm. You won't have eternal salvation unless you come to me. There's going to be a unilateral judgment one day. You're not going to have time when you see God. It's not going to be like, well, you know, hold on, Uh, 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 God. I know you're asking me about that time after church that I was gossiping about, you know, the Teen Challenge girls. Um... But but let me just get Pastor Mike, and he'll confirm that I really wasn't doing that. We were just kind of sharing information. God's going to say, "I'm not even calling for him. He has no place in this. It's me and you. I make the decision. I saw it all. I heard it all. You're going to answer to me, and that's the end of the story. It's a unilateral judgment. There is no other judge." You can't call your mom, your dad, your best friend, your dog, your hamster, whatever you want. He's not going to vouch for you, for your reputation or whatever. God sees it all and that's what it is. And this is where fear is positive. We have this healthy fear. We recognize who God is and who we're not. And if you this morning, this is, it all comes to this. If you ask Jesus to be Lord of your life and if you acknowledge that God is God and he's the only God and he sent Jesus, he's the only way that you could be free from sin, and if you do that, that fear where you're petrified or you're, and you feel like you're just stuck and you're enslaved to sin can be a true freedom. We heard singing about that. There's a fear that, that, that comes that actually frees you because your eyes are open, your heart is open, it's revealed to you by the Holy Spirit that God is an awesome God and He's calling you and he, he paid the price so that you don't have to have a fear where you're petrified, but you have a fear where you're in awe and Jesus died for you to have that. Today be saved. Today, come make Jesus your Lord and Savior. I can't make you do it. Just because I'm saying that doesn't mean you're going to do that. But I'm going to tell you something. If someone's sitting in here and your heart's churning and, and, and your mind, your, the wheels in your, and your gears in your mind are spinning and you're wondering and you're feeling uncomfortable and you're feeling like, you know what? I, I'm doing things my way and it's not working and the frustration and, and no, life won't be perfect with Jesus but it sure is a lot better than what it is and you've got a great eternity and you'll have a healthy fear where you reverence God. Just simply just, just submit to Him. Tell him what your sins are. Tell him your struggles. Give it to him. Confess them. He'll come to your aid. He already did. He died for you. Make him your Lord. Pray. Call out to him. and He'll come into your life. He'll give you your Holy Spirit. Like the lady saying about, his spirit will live in you and you'll have this assurance and confidence to come to God and you'll be like, God, I do fear you, man. I love you. I reverence you. I'm in awe of you every day and I can't believe that you're letting me be alive again today and that you're letting me come to you and worship you and that you're giving me everything I need and you're restoring this and you're fixing that and yes, you're, I have to go through this garbage but I know that it all works out for good in the end because you're in control and I love you for it, God. Do that today, will you? Because the conclusion of the matter is simply this. Fear God. Help me out. Obey His commands. Because this is the whole duty of man. And we will all give an account for how we lived. Whether it's visible or invisible, everything we did is going to be before the Lord. Will you make Jesus your Lord and Savior today? And if you have, and if you're struggling, and if you have an unhealthy uh, understanding of fear of God... Maybe you need to change direction. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you need to put aside those things that are petrifying you because you know sin does that. God wants to restore that reverential awe-filled where your jaw just drops to the floor when you think about how awesome God is. That's what God wants. He loves you so much. I'm going to pray. I'm going to conclude our service. I want to invite you to to visit ladies in the back um, at their table and, and say hi to them and greet them. But if you want prayer, or you want to spend time up here, the altars are open. I'm here. I'll pray with you. I'll hang out with you, whatever you need to do. We're going to seek God. And if you just need to stay in your seat, someone asks you that if you're leaving, to leave quietly. And if there are those who are here just thinking, and letting the Holy Spirit work in their hearts, let the Holy Spirit keep speaking to them. Don't distract them. Amen. Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for just the, the wonderful day we've had, Lord. Thank you for the great a uh, message of salvation that we keep uh, hearing about, Lord, and how you love us so much and how you set us free. And thank you for these ladies again that have come out today. Bless them, Lord. Anoint them, Lord. And I pray for everyone sitting in this room, God, that we would um, take Solomon's words and his ultimate conclusion to how to live life, God, and we would apply it. That we would fear you, that you would help us to do that, that we would obey your commands, that you would certainly help us to do that. And you are giving us a head start, Lord God, by giving us your word. And Lord, then help us to remember that all that we do is going to be brought to account, Lord, before you one day. So God, as we do that, help us to even be more fearful, God, reverent in, in how we live, how we walk, how we think, how we, what our attitude is, how we treat others, God, and help us, Lord, to reflect you and to, to be representatives of you, Lord, that consistent with your plan for our lives. Lord, we love you and praise you, and we thank you, Lord, for, Lord, never leaving us. So we thank you that you're with us as we go. Be glorified in all we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.